0: Welcome to the Mahabharata Podcast. After hearing of the churning of the ocean for nectar, after an agreement between the gods and the demons that resulted in a fierce and long-standing war between them, where the sages Nara and Narayan, having been called to intervene, the Mahabharata then narrates of the birth of Garuda, the great eagle carrier, of the supreme revered deity Vishnu. The story of the great snake sacrifice by King Janamajaya, resulting from his desire to annihilate the snake race after the snake Dakshak had killed his father, King Barikshit, has its roots intertwined with the story of the thousand half human and half cobra or nag offspring, who also come from shelled eggs and are linked with the half-brothers of the two eagles, Garuda and Aruna. And so this story of Kadru, the mother of these thousand snakes, and Vinata, the mother of the two great eagles, provides the opening sequence of this piece. Gadru and her sister and co-wife, Vinata, had grown a disdain for one another over time, competing for dominance over many things, including the love of their husband, Gushyap, over household affairs, and indeed, who amongst their children would be the most powerful in the world. In this spirit of sometimes careless competition and ambition, they had one day seen from afar the celestial steed Uchchayshvara of white hue. In the forests of Naimisha, Suta Goswami explains to Sage Shonaka. it was this horse Uchchayshvara, about which Gadru, the wife of Sage Gushya, asked her sister and co-wife Vinatha, "Tell me, amiable sister." without taking much time, of what colour the tail of Ucchchaisrava is. And Vinata answered with haste, That prince of steeds is certainly white. What dost thou think, O sister? Say thou what is his hue, let us lay a wager upon it. And Kadru replied, O Vinata of sweet smiles, I think that horse is black in its tail. Beauteous one, do bet with me that she who loseth will become the other's slave." Thus wagering with each other about the menial service as a slave of the other, the two sisters and co-wives went home and resolved to satisfy themselves by examining the horse the next day. And Kadru bent upon practicing a maleficent deception, immediately ordered her thousand sons to transform themselves into black threads of hair and to cover the horse's tail in order that she might not become a slave to her sister. But her sons, the snakes, recognising the ill motive of their mother Gadru, refused to do her bidding, And Kadru consequently cursed them, saying, during the snake sacrifice of the wise king Janamajaya of the Pandava race, the god of fire Agni shall consume you all. And the creator Brahma heard this exceedingly cruel curse pronounced by Kadru, that was impelled by the fates and seeing that the snakes had multiplied exceedingly, overwhelming the dwellers of the forests, Brahma, moved by kindness towards his creatures, decided with all of the gods to sanction the terrible curse of death uttered by Kadru. Indeed as the snakes were a virulent poison, great prowess and an excess of strength, and ever bent. biting other creatures. Their mother's conduct towards them was ultimately convenient for the victims of the serpents. Fate ultimately inflicts the punishment of death on those who seek the death of others. The gods, having exchanged such sentiments with each other in this way, supported Kadru's act and went away. And Brahma, Calling his grandson, Sage Gushyap, the son of Sage Marishi, to him, spoke unto him these words, O thou, pure one, who overcomest all thy enemies, these snakes begotten by you, through the boons granted by you to your wife Kadru, who are of virulent poison and huge bodies, and ever intent on biting other creatures, have been cursed by their mother Kadru. O son, do not grieve for it in the least, for you are wise and acquainted with the truth. The destruction of the snakes in the sacrifice hath indeed been ordained long ago. Saying this, the divine creator of the universe, Brahma, comforted Kashyap Muni, and imparted to that illustrious one the knowledge of neutralising poison, of a multitude of poisonous entities. Her rash and brazen idea over a bet with her co-wife, despite her overall benevolent outlook, may not end well for Vinata. Would some heed to the intention of those close to her have saved her? What would be the fate of one who is benevolent but makes such a mistake, and that of those who conspired in a devious way? Only time will tell. And when the night had passed and the sun had risen in the morrow, the two sisters Kadru and Vinata, having laid a wager about slavery, went with haste and impatience to view the steed or from a near point. In this quest to get a closer view of the celestial horse, the sisters encountered the ocean. That receptacle of waters, vast and deep, rolling and tremendously roaring, and full of fishes large enough to swallow the whale, and abounding with huge makaras and creatures of various forms by their thousands, and rendered inaccessible By the presence of other terrible, monster shaped, dark, and fierce aquatic animals, abounding with tortoises and crocodiles, and sunken mines of all kinds of gems, and the home of Varuna, the water god, the excellent and beautiful residences of the Nagas, the abode of the subterranean fire, the asylums of the asuras the demons the grand reservoir of water and ever immutable the ocean is holy is beneficial to the gods and is the great source of nectar without limits inconceivable scared and highly wonderful it is dark terrible with the sound of aquatic creatures tremendously roaring and full of deep whirlpools. It is an object of terror to all creatures. Moved by the winds blowing from its shores and heaving high, agitated and disturbed, it seems to dance everywhere with uplifted hands, represented by its surges. Full of swelling billows caused by the waxing and waning of the moon. The parent of Vasudev's great conch, called Bancha Janya, its waters were formerly disturbed in consequence of the agitation caused within them by the Lord Govinda of immeasurable prowess when he had assumed the form of a wild boar for raising the submerged earth. Its bottom Lower than the nether regions, the vow-observing regenerate sage, Atri, could not fathom after toiling for a hundred years. It becomes the bed of the lotus-naveled Vishnu, at the termination of every yuga, that deity of immeasurable power enjoys the yoga-nidra trance, the deep sleep of spiritual meditation. The ocean is the refuge of the Asuras, the demons, overcome in fierce encounters. It offers water as sacrificial butter to the blazing fire issuing from the mouth of Varava, the ocean mare. It is fathomless and without limits, vast and immeasurable, and the Lord of all rivers. And they saw that unto it rushed mighty rivers by thousands, with proud gait, like amorous competitors, each eager for meeting it, forestalling the others. Then they saw that it was always full and always dancing in its waves. And they saw that it was vast and wide as the expanse of space unfathomable and limitless and the Grand Reservoir of All Water. The Nagas, the race of half-human, half-cobra constitution, after deep consultation, having entered a state of resigned panic, having been cursed by their mother, arrived at the conclusion that they should do her bidding. After all, if she failed in obtaining her desire, she might withdraw her affection and burn them all, without even waiting for the God of Fire. And if, on the other hand, she became graciously inclined towards them, she might free them from her curse. The snakes therefore concluded, we shall render the horse's tail black. And it is said that the snakes then went and became black hairs in the horse's originally white-hued tail. Now that the co-wives had laid their wagers, the two sisters, Kaduru and Vinata, the daughters of Daksha, had proceeded in great delight along the sky to see the other side of the ocean. Having crossed the ocean, Gadru of swift speed, accompanied by Vinata, soon alighted near the horse. They then both beheld that foremost of steeds of great speed, with body white as the rays of the moon, but having black hairs in his tail and observing the many black hairs in his tail, Gadru put Vinata, who was deeply dejected into slavery. And thus, Vinata having lost the wager, entered into a state of slavery and became exceedingly sorry. In the meantime, when his time came, burst forth from the egg, without the help of his mother, Garuda, of great splendour, enkindling all the points of the universe, that mighty being endued with strength, that bird capable of assuming at will any form, of going at will anywhere, and of calling to his aid at will any measure of energy effulgent as a mountain of fire. He shone terribly, and the luster equal to that of the fire at the end of the age, his eyes were as bright as the lightning flash. And very soon after birth, that bird Garuda grew in size and increasing his frame, ascended into the skies. Fierce and vehemently roaring, He looked as terrible as the second ocean fire. And all of the deities seeing him sought the protection of Vipavasu, Agni, the deity of fire. They bowed down to that deity of manifold folds, seated on his seat, and spoke unto him, O Agni, extend not thy body. Will thou consume us? Lo, this huge heap of thy flames is spreading wide. And the deity of fire replied to the gods. O ye diligent persecutors of the demons, it is not as ye imagine. This being that causes thou the host of gods to tremble is none other than Garuda, of immense strength and equal to me in splendour endued with great energy and born to promote the joy of his dear mother Vinata. Even the sight of this heap of effulgence has caused this delusion in you all. He is the mighty son of the sage Gushyap. He is the destroyer of the Nagas, the Cobras, and he is engaged in the well-being of all of the gods. He is a foe of the Deities, the demons. Be not afraid of him in the least. Come with me and see. The gods, facing towards the shining brilliance that was Garuda, addressed him with these words. Thou art the destroyer as well as the creator of all. Thou art the very Hiranyagarbha, The causal ocean of all existence Thou art the progenitor of creation In the form of Daksha and the other Prajapadis Thou art Indra, the king of the gods Thou art Hayagriva, the horse-necked incarnation of Vishnu And thou art the arrow, Vishnu himself As he became such in the hands of Shiva At the burning of the great demon, Tripura, Thou art the lord of the universe. Thou art the mouth of Vishnu. Thou art the four-faced Padmaja. Thou art the wise Brahmana. Thou art Agni and Vayu and the other deities. Thou art knowledge. Thou art Maya, the illusion to which we are all subject. Thou art the all-pervading Spirit and the Lord of the Gods. Thou art the great truth and Thou art fearless. Thou art ever unchanged and Thou art Brahma without attributes. Thou art the energy of the sun and Thou art the intellectual functions. Thou art our great protector and the ocean of holiness. Thou art purity, and thou art bereft of the attributes of darkness. Thou art the possessor of the six high attributes, and thou art he who cannot be withstood in contest. From thee have emanated all things, and thou art of excellent deeds. Thou art all that has been and not been, and thou art pure knowledge. Thou displayest to us, as Surya, the sun god, does by his rays, this animate and inanimate universe. Thou darkenest the splendour of Surya, the sun, at every moment, and thou art the destroyer of all. Thou art all that is perishable, and all that is imperishable, and thou art resplendent as Agni. O thou, resplendent as Agni! O thou burnest all, even as Surya, the deity of the sun, in his anger burneth all creatures. O terrible one, thou resistest, even as the fire that destroys everything at the time of universal dissolution. O mighty Garuda, who movest in the skies, we seek thy protection. O lord of birds, Thy energy is extraordinary, thy splendour is that of fire. Thy brightness is like that of lightning that no darkness can approach. Thou reachest the very clouds and art both the cause and effect, the dispenser of boons and invincible in prowess. O Lord, this whole universe is rendered hot by thy splendour. Bright as the lustre of molten gold. Protect these high souled gods, who, overcome by thee and art terrified, are flying along the heavens in different directions on their celestial vehicles. O thou best of birds, thou lord of all, thou art the son of the merciful and high souled Gushap. Therefore, be not wroth with us but have mercy on us and the universe. Thou art supreme, O pacify thy anger and preserve us. At thy voice loud as the roar of thunder, the ten points, the skies, the heavens, the earth and our hearts, O bird, thou art continuously shaking. O diminish this thy body, Resembling the fire, Agni. At the sight of the splendour Resembling that of Yama, The God of death, when in wrath Our hearts lose all equanimity and quake. O thou Lord of birds, Be propitious to us who solicit thy mercy. O illustrious one, Bestow on us good fortune and joy. And that bird of fair feathers, thus adored by the deities and diverse sections of sages, reduced his own energy and splendour. Then hearing of and beholding his own body, that bird of beautiful feathers diminished his size and said, Let no creature be afraid, as ye are in fright at the sight of my terrible form. I shall diminish my energy. Then the bird, capable of going everywhere at will, that ranger of skies capable of calling to his aid any measure of energy. Bearing his elder brother of half-human and half-eagle form, Aruna, on his back, vended from his father Kashyap's home and arrived at his mother Vinata's side on the other shore of the great ocean. He placed Aruna of great splendor in the eastern regions, just at a time when Surya, the deity of the sun, had resolved to burn the worlds with his fierce rays. The sage, Shonak, then asked Suta Goswami, When did the revered Surya resolve at the time to burn the worlds? What wrong was done by Surya, by the gods, that provoked this lord of heat? And Suta Goswami replied, O sinless one, when Rahu was drinking nectar amongst the gods, at the time of the churning of the ocean he was pointed out to the gods by Surya and Soma and from that time Rahu conceived an enmity towards those Surya and Soma and upon this Rahu sought to devour his afflictor Surya became wrath and he thought oh this enmity of Rahu towards me has sprung only from my desire of benefiting the gods, but the dire consequence of helping them all I alone have to sustain. Indeed, at this pass, help I obtain not. And before the very eyes of the denizens of heaven, I am going to be devoured by Rahu, and they brook it quietly. Therefore, in my anguish, For the destruction of the worlds, I must strive. And with this resolution, that deity of the sun, Surya, went to the mountains of the west. From that place, he began to radiate his heat with his maximum exertion for the destruction of the world. And then the great sages, approaching the gods, spoke unto them. Lo, in the middle of the night springeth a great heat, striking terror into every heart and destructive of the three worlds. Then the gods, accompanied by the sages, approached the grandsire Brahma in reverence and said unto him, O Brahma, what is this great heat today that causeth such panic? Surya hath not yet risen. Still the destruction of the world is obvious. O oh Lord, what will happen when he doth not rise? The grandsire, Lord Brahma, then replied. Indeed, Surya is prepared to rise today for the destruction of the world. As soon as he will appear, he will burn everything into a heap of ashes. By me, However, hath the remedy been provided beforehand? The intelligent son of Gushap is known to all by the name of Aruna. A frame of half human and half eagle, Aruna is of huge body and of great splendour. He shall stay in front of Surya, doing the duty of his charioteer, and taking away all the energy of the former, and this will ensure the welfare of the worlds, the sages, and all of the dwellers in heaven. And Aruna, at the behest of Brahma, did all that he was ordered to do, and Surya rose veiled by Aruna's person, avoiding the burning of creation. I have told thee now, O Shonaka. Why Surya was in wrath, and how Aruna, the brother of Garuda and son of Vinata, was appointed as his charioteer. Hear next of that other question asked by thee a little while ago.